Welcome to this week's episode of Motos and Friends. I'm Arthur Coldwells. Suzuki launched or relaunched the Hayabusa, their iconic hyperbike, a couple of weeks ago. And I had the pleasure of being able to take the thing for about a day's worth of riding. Uh, needless to say, I was extremely impressed with the motorcycle. It is really nice. It's more of an evolution than the revolution. But Suzuki have really stepped it up with, with it. And uh, as great as the Hayabusa was, it was starting to get a little long in the tooth. And Suzuki have updated every single aspect of the bike. I enjoyed my ride on it. And I had the opportunity to talk to Avery Innes, who is the training and publications manager at Suzuki. He's a highly technical guy. There's really not too much he doesn't know about any of the Suzuki product. So I was able to pick his brains a little bit on exactly what Suzuki have done to this bike and what's the engineering behind why I'm so impressed with it. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for coming on, Avery. What, what's your, um, what is your actual title there? My new title is um, Training and Publications Manager. I enjoy, I really enjoyed riding the bike. I really had a lot of fun with it last week. I mean, I, I've been a big fan of the Hayabusa from, from the beginning, always liked it. Generation two was great, but let's be honest, it was starting to get a bit long in the tooth. And, and the things, there were several things I liked about this. I mean, starting, starting I suppose, at the beginning with the engine, what, what, have, what have Suzuki done with the engine? I mean, there was a, is it my imagination or is there a lot more mid-range there? That bike oh. feels, that bike feels just like, it's got some serious get up and go and maybe i'd forgotten it but i don't know it felt i was well, hold on tight <laughs> no no your your senses are not deceiving you uh there is a considerable improvement in the mid-range power and not to mention the low end uh performance of the hayabusa and uh as you saw by some of the information that we provided you the the bike is quicker than it's ever been both generation one and generation two and and there's two say, reasons when you say quicker you mean zero to 60. zero 60 and an eighth mile times okay and um i don't know if any quarter mile stuff has actually been measured yet but i i wouldn't be surprised um to see that those numbers were at least as good as gen two if not better okay uh and and, and there's a couple of reasons why it, the bike um the engine itself was tuned to achieve that and and we all know that that in reality most riders ride around on the street and even if they get out on a big road you know you you shouldn't really speed on the highway <laughs> you know, but at the same time you want you want off highway performance so so there's a lot more torque and stuff off the bottom the bike did lose a couple horsepower compared to the gen 2 but the torque and the increase of horsepower up into and through that mid-range is is a lot it's considerable so that's so it, it produces more in the mid-range it's just peak horsepower that suffers a little yeah peak, peak horsepower is a couple off but when you then look at things like the electronics package which also helps the bike be very quick um you know launch control and some of the other devices we can we can chat about in a bit um that and not to mention aerodynamics package so when you ride the bike you're kind of expecting it to have less performance but the reality is it's got greater performance with a 
big dose of refinement. It's just a wonderfully splendid, smooth running motorcycle. Yeah, that's interesting you talk about smoothness because it felt smoother, smoother to me. I mean, I'm not even talking about the gearbox yet. And the gearbox was, well, all Suzuki's, Suzuki had been ahead in gearboxes since the 70s. But, um, but in terms of smoothness, the engine did feel smoother. What changes have they actually made to the engine? What have they actually done? So we have about two hours to chat about that, correct? Oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need I don't need deep technical stuff, but the display. So the displacement is the same. Yes, yes. When Suzuki decided to revise, you know, create a new generation Hayabusa, a lot of things were considered, and they thought about different displacements, even different architecture. I mean, even six cylinders were considered in things beyond normal aspiration like supercharger and turbos were not only considered but prototypes are created um but sure. to be faithful to the most important group out there and those are the people that already have hayabusas that are incredibly loyal to them the fans we knew that if you move the bike if you move that needle away from the bike being a hayabusa then it's no no longer a hayabusa it's just a hayabusa name only so the decision was made to take what was very good engine architecture, not to mention chassis architecture, and revise it. So, so when they looked at bore and stroke and the things that they wanted to achieve with the engine, that, that basically didn't change. But the crankcase, the crankshaft, transmission shafts, connecting rods, piston, cylinder head, camshafts, you know, a lot of the engine was changed. Uh, you may remember I told you that 550 new parts exist on this motorcycle, and many, many of those parts are are in the engine. Feels like it feels like the engine spins up a little quicker. Is it is it is it lighter inside? Uh, no, not not necessarily. Well, I take it back. There are components that are lighter. Things like the the pistons are lighter, and the connecting rods are lighter. Okay. Um, but don't forget that some of the smoothness that you're experiencing are things like the the bike's electronic management, but more importantly, the uh, ride by wire electronic throttle bodies. I was just thinking more in terms of just vibration to the handlebars. Well. It, it's been it's been a couple decades since that that bike first debuted and and as you know with Suzuki and a lot of other quality manufacturers the design process engineering process manufacturing processes always improve so the reality is is even if you built a 1999 Hayabusa today it would be a better machine because of all of those improvements in design and manufacturing. Probably met metallurgy and all kinds of things. Exactly. So there's some of that there. In fact, um, I noticed things in the engine that were directly related to another motorcycle that, that you enjoy a lot, and that's the GSX-R 1000R. Sure. So, so for example, there, uh, you were talking a bit about the transmission. There is a longer drive shaft in the transmission, for example, um, and, and a lot of that is done so it could accept a new generation slipper style clutch, our Suzuki assisted clutch system clutch, which also adds clutch pressure under acceleration. Um, the ramp inside that clutch is, is basically built on the inner sleeve hub. And the original Hayabusa also had that feature, but that ramp was maybe 
50 millimeters in diameter, where now it's hundreds of millimeters in diameter. So, so it does a great job of, of decreasing clutch lever effort, but a fantastic job of slipping and then, then uh, clamping the plates when it needs to. So to accommodate that, the shafts are longer, but they, so they took that opportunity to also lengthen the needle bearings that the transmission shafts ride on. They made other changes, uh, how the outer bearings and seals are retained. So you can service a lot of this stuff with the engine in the chassis. And 20 years ago, when you built an engine like Hayabusa, that wasn't the case. You would pull the, you'd pull the engine uh, out of the bike and service transmission. And now there's some things that they can do um, with the bike and with the, excuse me, with the engine in the frame proper. Interesting. Have they changed any of the cam timing at all or anything or any of the valve sizes or? No, the, the valves are the same size. Um, there is some difference in uh, spring pressure. But the biggest difference is the lift is increased, but some of the timing has changed to to reduce the overlap. And an overlap for some of your listeners that may not understand, overlap is a is the time when the exhaust valves and the intake valves are open at the same time. And what they do is they use the the negative pressure that's occurring in the combustion chamber from the exhaust flowing out the exhaust system to help pull in the intake charge. And and frankly, it's kind of a found horsepower in a way, but the dilemma with overlap with worldwide emission standards that we have, you know, with EPA in the United States and Euro 5 uh, in Europe, of course, um, you're sucking in raw unburned fuel. And, and that means your exhaust is gonna be dirty, especially by those emission standards. So, so they wanted to make sure that the bike not only complies, but easily complies with these emission standards. So the overlap is reduced. When you reduce the overlap though, you can affect horsepower, especially peak horsepower at higher RPMs. So our, our engineers, of course, are always very, very intelligent. So they found ways when they reduce the overlap to find performance in other areas. Some of that has to do with getting rid of a lot of friction and things inside the engine, but more importantly, taking advantage of the electronic systems and the ride by wire. For, for example, the throttle body is a millimeter smaller than it used to be, but at the same time, because it's ride by wire and the ECM controls that throttle body, it doesn't need the secondary throttle valve that used to be above that primary one. So with that gone, it's, it's very likely that those throttle bodies flow the same amount of air, the same CFM, but they probably have higher velocity than they used to. The stacks are much longer, which also works with a larger air cleaner. In fact, the air cleaner is a liter larger than it used to be. I believe it went from about 10 liters to 11 liters in capacity. That's a large airbox. Sure. Um, this motorcycle makes a, a good amount of power. No, 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 Avery. It makes a freaking monster amount of power. <laughs> a good amount of power. Oh my I'm... god! <laughs> Things are flipping rocket ship. I mean, a couple well, of times, a couple yeah. of times, I was like, well, you know, I mean, they talk about, uh, yeah, and so I'd like, you know, whack the throttle open. This thing wants to take off. 
this if you turn those electronics off this thing will power wheelie and certainly in the first two gears and without too much coaxing into the third gear as well yeah so it's no this thing is a rocket ship okay <laughs> <laughs> i guess it makes a good amount I'm, of power i love it <laughs> i'm get. i'm guess i guess we're spoiled you know it's well, really it's real easy to when you get close to these things like we do to think Ah, well, you know, you get so used to talking big numbers and a lot of manufacturers are now talking 200 horsepower plus and, oh, well, if you don't put over, out over 200 horsepower, your bike's slow. No, this bike is absolutely not slow. And I, I'm sorry, I would exchange rideability on the street um, for, you know, and, and mid-range power and everything you need on the street and, and sacrifice a little bit at the top end. I mean, maybe I'm just an old guy talking, but if you want to go off road and, and do anything on track, there's a giant aftermarket that's available that can release all that stuff for you. Which is another great thing by by retaining the the engine architecture, by retaining even the chassis architecture, even with all of those refinements that are that are spread across the whole motorcycle, you have not alienated your faithful people that have been buying you know a couple hundred thousand of these things yeah not to mention the aftermarket sure now you have folks out there that have had a gen one a gen two now they're going to get a gen three and they already have in their mind before their bike arrives what they want to do to it and and if i may back to the power thing a moment sure. Sure. um we see super sport bikes that have horsepower numbers that approach what the Hayabusa does. And for the the people that aren't as worldly and haven't experienced a Hayabusa, but maybe have experienced a GSX-R1000R or, or another leader class bike from somebody, it's real easy to think, oh, you don't need the Hayabusa. This super sport bike does this too. But the reality is a super sport bike, it's designed to be exceptionally nimble very often they're very light and their primary goal is to get around a racetrack really really quick and it takes a lot of skill and precision to ex extract performance when you ride that bike where the that the hayabusa frankly just does rolling out of bed it you know you can take a you can take a GSX-R 1000R and probably drag race it against the Hayabusa and, and the Hayabusa is probably going to beat that or beat that other bike contest time and time again. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're talking, you're talking, you know, apples and oranges here. I mean, if you want a bike that goes round corners, you know, as fast as you possibly can, you wouldn't, you wouldn't look at the Hayabusa. Although having said that, the Hayabusa handles extremely well. Um, but it is obviously considerably heavier than than a super sport bike. Um, it, it's it, it's it's not the same sort of thing. If you want to go racing and win, you're going to look at the GSXR. Um, but but the Hayabusa for the class of bike that it is in this sort of the hyper bike class, um, my feeling is is it delivers in spades. I mean, there were several things I was really in, in, impressed with. I, I, the styling is absolutely jaw dropping. I mean, um, the, the new styling is absolutely gorgeous and it does way better than it than in pictures. But I was, I was very impressed by the build quality. I mean, Suzuki always do a pretty good job, but, but there, everything about this bike screams luxury to me. This is a sort of a, a gentleman's express and, and, and anybody who, 
decides that they want to to take this thing drag racing and they're going to put on a long swing arm and and uh, and tune it up. I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed with this. The market that 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 wants it are going to love it. Yeah, the and that was something intentional too, by the way. That that Suzuki understood, and we all here in the United States understood that. You come out with a new Hayabusa, and, and there's going to be people that are be, going to be down at their dealership getting one right off. But you also need to expand the audience for the bike. And one of the ways of doing it is, frankly, to make it a premium motorcycle. And, right. and we've succeeded very, very well in that regard. Yes. Um, yeah, without doubt. Pe- people need to see the bike physically to not only appreciate the styling, but to appreciate the build quality, as you said, the everything is smooth where it needs to be smooth. Um, the way that the tail looks with the spoiler that'll help diffuse wind behind it, and then how how things that are iconic about the Hayabusa were also brought into the new generation bike. And make no mistake about it, this bike is our flagship sport bike, and and we were proud sure. to say that. All, all LED lighting. I mean, just everything screams quality on this thing. Yeah, you you sit down on the bike and you you turn on you turn on the bike and you see the clocks, the needles on the on those large analog gauges turn. But at, but new in the center between those big gauges is a fairly decent sized TFT or a thin film transistor display screen that starts off with uh, an animation of the the kanji symbol the the hayabusa kanji symbol but then that is your interface with the motorcycle so you can use that tft to to activate all the different features or the rider assist features that are part of the suzuki intelligent ride system which we use the acronym we say sirs and one of my favorite features if is the active data display it's just a joy to watch because you know you're like me we're we're moto gp fans and one of the best parts of watching moto gp is when you go to the camera angle from the back of the bike but then they overlay that telemetry and it's graphically represented with lean angle and throttle opening and braking force and things like that the hayabusa has that right in the middle of the dash and um, it was interesting because as you and, and some of the other uh, people were riding the bike, I'd occasionally look down when you came in to see what the lean angle was. <laughs> you did rather well. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, you, you saw numbers in the 40s. You were doing pretty well for a uh, uh, Riding out on um, public pavement. You know, I can I, I can I can wobble my way around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I only get a bike that that leaned over when I forget to put the side stand down. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it's it's a great feature. The clocks on it are just another. It's and the instruments are just it's beautiful. I mean, for me personally, I I prefer. I, I as my as I've got older and my eyesight is getting worse, I prefer the large digital speedometer that you get on the Jixa. Um, you know, just to have just this freaking great number sticking in front of me. Oh shit, I'm uh, I'm going a bit fast here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, so, but but yeah, the instruments the instruments are, are very good looking. The um, the riding position on it, I, I 
the bike is definitely more comfortable than the old Hayabusa. And I wouldn't describe that as uncomfortable, but compared to this new one, actually, I would. The new one is feels a more upright seating position. You don't, it's not so much of a stretch forward to the bars and the bars definitely seem a little higher. Is that my imagination or? No, no. Once again, your senses are, are serving you well. The handlebars are closer to the rider. So, and the triangle is a little different because of that. And when I mentioned the triangle uh, for some of your listeners, that's the relationship between the handlebars, the footrests, and the seat. Um, the seat itself is about half an inch shorter than it used to be. So there's going to be some additional comfort and confidence when you when you come to a stop. You can you can touch the right. ground a bit better. Um, but but the seat is padded well. You know, so you can be in that seat all day because once you start riding, you don't want to want to stop on a bike like this. Um, but those ergonomic changes not only were for comfort, but to help control the bike, too. So so sometimes when you make an ergonomic change like that, it manifests itself in the bike seeming to handle better. Frankly, the rider is in a in a better position, not just as components being better. Right. So uh, a lot of a lot of little things become big things when you're out riding in the real world. Sure. I mean, the the bike feels very well balanced. The suspension on it is 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 really good. I mean, it's very compliant. I mean, modern suspension on modern bikes. Suspension's come a long way in the last even the last 10 years. So the suspension on it is exemplary. But I was uh, I would say more than surprised for again you get on a what is clearly a big substantial motorcycle and i came up to the first corner and turned in man this thing turns really quickly so i was actually fairly shocked at, at how quickly it turned I, if i remember i had to sort of pick it up a little bit and 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 carry through um and on a couple of the photo stops there were some pretty twisty roads so i was very impressed by how nimble the bike is so have they changed the steering geometry at all or, or done anything there? Uh, yes, there, there's a minor difference, but but not incredibly so. Um, some of the things you may be sensing is the weight distribution now is a perfect 50-50 between okay. um, the front wheel and the rear wheel. So that's going to help the handling. Um, they did a lot of work that paid off. They, they made the suspension much more compliant and it moves very free. In fact, um, I was very surprised the first time I rode the bike, not just by the engine, but how good the chassis was. And yeah. and I, I've owned Hayabusa's in the past, and it, this thing was just smooth in almost every instant or uh, circumstance that I rode the bike through. Sure. So it's very, very, very compliant. The handling is very neutral. I mean, in a couple of fast corners I took, I mean, fast sweepers, it stays absolutely planted online, but if you want, you can move it around. So the bike definitely is, the definitely bike feels at least as agile as the last one and maybe a bit more. Um, I'd probably need to do a sort of a back-to-back -back ride, but mm -hmm. the handling on it's really good. I was I was uh, very impressed. But of course, the, suspen the new suspension is way better. It just soaks up the bumps that much better. Yeah, no, they, they, sort, they sorted out the damping rates and, and everything very, very good. Uh, and, and once again, this is an area where the Hayabusa is much different than a Supersport bike. Uh, Supersport bikes, especially when they're new, they, they can be pretty stiff. But 
this bike is not like that at all. It's it's a smooth magic carpet uh, from the get go. Very much so, yeah. And, and then the unique thing about the Hayabusa has always been its ability to give you that seamless, smooth performance um, at practically any speed. And then once again, the chassis is just unflappable, just smooth and compliant. It can it can handle all those different situations. It does. I was a little surprised. I mean, one of the reasons perhaps why it's so nimble is it only has a 190 rear tire instead of a 200. I was kind of surprised that Suzuki didn't go to a 200 on the rear. But the 190 has obviously has just as much grip as it needs to have. I mean, you know, the Jigs 1000 has a 190 on the rear. So so why not? But was there any reason why they didn't go to a, a fatter rear tire? Well, it's not just the width of the tire, but what the profile and things like that uh, of course, can be. Yes. And the 190 is going to help you initiate turn in and have smoother handling in the corners. One of the advantages of, of keeping the tire width at a 190 is, is not just the width, but how the profile works. Because a lot of this has to do with the, the profile and then how round the tire is. Um, for the for the rim width that it has, 190 is is the ratio, the width ratio that you really want for this bike to handle the best. That doesn't mean somebody may change tires later for a different mission. And then don't forget that if you just think, well, if I throw a 200 on there, I'm going to get better grip for acceleration out of the hole and stuff like that. That's not necessarily the case. And this motorcycle is blessed with those great Suzuki electronics. So not only do you have 10 level traction control, um, but you have the uh, launch control, which now can launch at three different um, uh, maximum engine RPMs. And there's a variety of other things that make the bike quicker without having to do something with the tire that's going to perhaps injure the handling of the bike. Believe me, I've ridden enough, done enough Dunlop tire launches to know that it's all about profile and not just the, 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 the width number. But, but anyway, I was just, I was curious on that. I have no complaints about the tires whatsoever. I mean, there was a couple of times I gave it a pretty strong handful and, and uh, I could see a little bit of flickering from the, uh, from the traction control light. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was just fine. Um, but you're talking about the electronics. I mean, the, I guess it's not entirely electronics, but, but going back to the gearbox for me, I'm now so lazy that I'm almost <laughs> at the point where, where I literally, I'm borderline cannot ride a motorcycle that doesn't have a quick shifter on it. And the, the Hayabusa comes with a clutch, it's up shifter and the blip down shifter, and it works absolutely beautifully. And so, yeah, I think my, my left hand, my clutch hand is now so weak, I can barely use it. <laughs> it's, it's atrophied. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> and, and what's really great about it is, is the bi-directional quick shifter. Um, they use two different methodologies for when it upshifts versus downshifts. You know, so there's always a slight ignition cut, but they'll use more throttle opening to smooth the, the downshifts. But you can also tune it. There's two different levels. There's, There's two levels, yeah. One level that provides a very racer-like response, and that's something that you would use, say, in conjunction with the, the launch control. And then there's another one that's just pretty much almost for cruising. 
for everyday riding. You're just out for a ride and then you're being Arthur and you don't want to touch the clutch lever. So, so you, <laughs> so you can ride the bike in a number of different ways to, to, uh, to what you yeah. want. Yeah, no, it worked, it worked, worked really well. But, uh, but beyond that, there's obviously a very sophisticated electronic suite. So, so can you tell me a little bit about that? I didn't get to explore too much of it. Tell me more about what this SIRS is. Yeah, the um, what, what's that? The motorcycle uses a dual processor, 32-bit ECM, which is a a fast or a quick way of saying this thing has a lot of computing power. And in in many of those systems, it's measuring and making decisions uh, tens, if not hundreds, of times a second to make sure that the bike responds even before you realize that it needs to respond. Um, then another very important um, item on the bike is a three-axis, six-direction IMU. And an inertial measurement unit, or IMU, it's, it's primarily measuring pitch, which is like pitch down, like the nose going down, or, and then pitch up, which is, you know, a wheelie, the chassis is pitching up. Then you have roll, the bike leaning to the left and then leaning to the right. And then yaw is the bike turning to the left or turning to the right. And all the variations that happen in those directions, um, it's, it's literally an infinite combination of measurements that's being made all at the same time. Not to mention there's an accelerometer and things also in the IMU, so it knows how quickly it's going from one position to another, but because it can do all of those measurements in an infinite number of fashions, it always knows what's going on and can anticipate what's going on. You know, as you lean into a corner, it's not only seeing where you are now, but where you've been. So it can anticipate things like the motion track ABS, which, which is our, ABS system that a lot of people just use the simple term cornering ABS, but it's it's far more than that. Um, it's making all those decisions. So now you have all of this measurement capability and, and instantaneous response, practically instantaneous response. You can have all these systems that do things for the bike. There's there's three or excuse me, there's six areas that SIRS is helping the rider manage the bike with. Uh, the first is control of the engine output characteristics. So things like the, the uh, power level modes, you want to, you want to determine how the engine's uh, delivering uh, its power. Then there's control over the engine's acceleration characteristics. In other words, how, how quickly it is. Yeah. Right. How, what's, what's the performance curve like? Um, then there's control over engine deceleration, or, or what we commonly call engine braking. How much resistance does the engine then apply to the rear wheel to provide that uh, engine braking? Then there's control over the engine at steady speeds. Frankly, that's something as simple as cruise control. And then control over the engine and transmission operation. So just in general, how is the how is the engine performing? Then how does the engine perform when you're using the quick shift, for example, or the or the launch control, and then of course control over over braking. So you have start kind of starting from the top. You have a, um, a three level power mode selector. Right. So you have 
and in the first two layers of it like a and or one and two the engine can still achieve full power the aggression of the acceleration in the middle level is it's a softer throttle response and then in the third level it's a very soft uh, throttle response with a limited amount of engine power then you have the traction control and there's you have the ability to have a lot of intervention um, where the bike you can't even make the rear wheel spin regardless of what you wanted to do um, then there's 10 levels plus off of anti-lift control which is commonly called wheelie control so you can adjust that you could probably spend all day doing things to adjust the bike to your liking so what's new on the hayabusa that hasn't existed before is the sdms alpha system or the suzuki drive mode selector alpha so the factory pre-programs three modes a b and c in sdms alpha and they've already gone through and they've they've um set these up so their settings for the power mode selector, the traction control, the anti-lift control, wheelie control, engine braking, and the quick shifter. So when you're in mode A on SDMS Alpha, you have the those settings for all of those systems are usually for the most aggressive, most active style of riding, which is easy to remember A for active. And then uh, level B is it's not the exact term, but you just say it's a softer application of all those sittings. Um, I use the term basic uh, of the factory. Those are that's just good all around settings for for everyday riding. And then C, the C level, is kind of for comfort or cruising. So it, in with just one quick change, you can go all the way from having a very aggressive sport oriented setup all the way down to something for cruising or gosh forbid the the weather gets bad but just adjusting the bike by what the factory thinks is not enough so sdms alpha also includes three three mode settings that the the rider can preset before he ever goes out and rides sure Sure. I I mean, going back to some of the mechanical stuff, I really liked the braking system on it. I mean, and that's not particularly unusual nowadays. Everybody's using, you know, Brembo's of, of some description, but, but the, the Brembo brakes on it were, you know, excellent, of course. Um, which, uh, which particular uh, brakes are they using? Yeah, the, the front brake calipers on the Hayabusa are the Brembo Stylema calipers. So they're they're a couple generations newer than the Brembo monoblock that everybody kind of uses as the the gold standard for for brake calipers, but the Stylemas have been designed in a way where they're very strong, but they also allow a lot of air ventilation near the brake pads. And what's really great about that, especially on a motorcycle that that can perform like the Hayabusa, is that helps keep the brake pads. The caliper and the rotors themselves cooler and whenever you can shed heat that's just going to help maintain brake performance keep a high level regardless of uh how much you're using them and and then the uh, brake rotors are now 
20 millimeter diameter floating rotors and yep up from 310 and and once again it's a high quality stainless steel rotor um so it it works really good here's a bit of trivia you probably don't know brembo spend more money on research than all the rest of the industry combined <laughs> well i believe that and brembo has become synonymous with quality brakes and you know we see them not only on premium motorcycles like our gs6rs and and our m109r and of course the hayabusa but you see them on good sport sporty cars you know like an m5 you know everybody loves to look and look past the wheel spokes and see those big giant brake calipers Rem rambo yeah. yeah yeah the uh the other thing the last thing on the electronic suite that we haven't mentioned is hayabusa now comes with cruise control so uh not that there's anything particularly remarkable about that but uh but it's very nice so uh again it's i think that sort of goes hand in hand with the with a slightly more comfortable riding position this is actually a, a you know is a genuine sport tour if, if you want it to be oh yeah w without question and one of the things where the hayabusa actually helps its cruise control it's just absolutely seamless and some of that is the fact that you have a very strong very torque rich engine so you're not going to see little peaks and valleys or anything that you would see on a smaller bike and then something that's uh, first in the motorcycle industry is the uh, active speed limiter frankly what it is is you preset the speed that you don't want the bike to exceed and unlike cruise control you still have full control of the throttle and all the other systems yeah it's just sort of your, your ticket insurance kind of thing yeah okay yeah and hayabusa, hayabusa has not always been the best motorcycle to ride around if you want to keep your license clean you can ride past the limit say you have to oh my gosh i got to pass this truck but it pretty much keeps the bike below the speed limit that you set but then you still have all the freedom to shift and to operate the brakes and the throttle and whatnot and and with cruise control every time you do something with one of those systems it turns off appropriately is so so um that active speed limiter i i would like to see that on some other new motorcycles from us in in the future it's just a great sure, feature sure. um I guess last thing I was going to talk about was uh, I think you mentioned that, that the bike is actually slightly lighter than than the older generation. And that's that's despite being Euro five compliant. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And and it's not like the bike intentionally went under a giant diet. They just as they as they developed the bike and then um, settled on what the components and stuff would be. They made sure they weren't wasteful, adding weight where, where it didn't need to be, but more importantly, balancing the weight. So yeah. the two things that helped the bike achieve that perfect 50, 50% 50 weight distribution we were talking about earlier is the exhaust system alone is four and a half pounds lighter than it used to be. And then the uh, rear side- Despite being Euro 5, wow, that's- Despite impressive. being Euro 5 and- um, the subframe, the way they designed it, it doesn't have to be as complex. So that brought some of the weight down. So overall, the bike is a few pounds less than it used to be.
but it still is that it still has that confident confidence inspiring feel to it it's solid um one of the right feels it feels substantial i mean it really yeah. does i mean I, I i enjoy that you feel you you feel the weight you know on in a good way you, um it doesn't it doesn't feel heavy because like you say it feels so balanced no but i really i really enjoyed the it's substantial feeling on the street yeah you know we well, yeah, one of one of my other friends said that hayabusa feels like it was machined out of billet yeah <laughs> yeah when it comes down to it, I think for me, as great as the motorcycle is, I, I know I'm a shallow bastard, but it comes down to it. Com it comes down to the looks. The looks. That thing is freaking gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, Hayabusa has been around since '99, so we're kind of used to the, you know, the swoopy aerodynamic looks, and yeah, 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 okay. But they stepped it up with this one. It is really. When I walked the first time, I walked around the corner. I saw it parked there. I was like. Oh my God! I mean, they they've done something really special. So, so kudos to to the designers Suzuki. They've done a great job. Um, yeah the the shape the shape and the styling of the Hayabusa is so iconic. People that see the bike or even hear the name Hayabusa that are not motorcycle enthusiasts know what that motorcycle is, and it was one of the first true times in in motorcycling that. A motorcycle developed its style directly related to how it was intended to function, and and one of my favorite elements of the new Hayabusa story is when they when they started to work on the styling, and obviously there was a lot of a lot of um, artist work in advance before they did anything physical to the motorcycle. Um, I kind of I coined a phrase i called it active styling because they got to a point where they had kind of the gross styling down but then they took the mock-ups the actual bikes with the bodywork on them and did clay work in right. the wind tunnel and suzuki now has its own wind yes tunnel. yes so they had their own in-house wind tunnel that they would develop in this bike. right 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 near our new motorcycle um assembly plant in Hamamatsu right by the uh, global corporate headquarters. Sure. And so, so for example, when, when you look at the bike and you see all those wonderful shapes and everything um, and the way that the the side of the tank is shaped and whatnot, that was done in response to a rider sitting on a Hayabusa in a wind tunnel. Right. There's some subtle wind diffusers that are up on the sides of the fairing um, that are directly in front of the rider's hands when you're sitting on the bike, those diffusers were shaped in the wind tunnel to be effective. So there, there's lots of things that are truly effective from an aerodynamic standpoint. The new, the new mirrors, they're positioned lower yeah. and they have a shape. In fact, when you look at the Hayabusa, because the turn signals are integrated into the front position lights and the rear tail light and whatnot, the only thing that protrudes from the Hayabusa bodywork are the two mirrors. Other than that, that thing is as smooth as a bullet. It's just, you're right. once I again, that, but you're right. yeah, there's, there's no turn signals out, yeah. protruding or anything from the side. Okay. And, and the bike, there's no bulb bulbs, there's no filament 
on any of the lights. Everything is LED. Right. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you can adjust the brightness of the instrument panel and, and all different kinds of things. Everywhere you look, you find something that's new or significantly upgraded. The, the bike is so much more than just being a new Hayabusa. And it's rightfully our flagship motorcycle. You know, the, the, a lot of times you get these sort of iconic things in life and somebody decides that they want to go out and, and, and they have to design a new generation. They end up ruining it and, and spoiling it. But, but, but the, the, the guys back at the factory, they've managed to keep, they've managed to keep the Hayabusa sort of true to itself. It hasn't lost all the, all the good things about it, but they've really brought it up to date. And, and it's now, it can now genuinely call itself a, a new, you know, 21st century motorcycle. And, and so. Uh, Arthur, could I, could I mention something else? I want, you know, it, this, and it goes in line with the bike being um, our flagship motorcycle. It is a premium bike. I mean, it's obvious the, the minute you see the bike that it's, it's really something special, but Suzuki is taking some strong steps, you know, led by our, our team here in the United States to make sure that Hayabusa owners also get a premium experience. And it started off with advanced orders, um, where if, if you placed an advanced order for your Hayabusa, you got some extra things like you, you got the color matched uh, solo seat cover for your bike. There's also other things that you can obtain, uh, for example, two years of free service. And that's a, a fantastic thing when, you know, when you buy something like that and you want to take care of it, well, Suzuki is going to help you make sure that you take care of it. It is a lovely bike for sure. I'm not paid by Suzuki and, uh, and uh, you know, I'm not part of the staff. I'm a, an independent guy. And I have to say, I was, I was very impressed with it. Very impressed. I really enjoyed it. Oh, I, I know every everybody at work and in Japan is going to love to hear you say that. When somebody appreciates the work that went into this bike, that's that's the first step. Avery, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Um, it was interesting hearing. Yeah. So, uh, so it was great. I guess uh, I guess I'll see you on the road sometime. <laughs>